0: What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Top. With Halloween looming around, we thought we'd get into some more interesting, abstract ideas that we always talk about. And that is theories, whether it be conspiracy or the unknown or potentially science-related. Uh, I thought we, talk, we we're going to talk on some... Pretty interesting things that either you heard of, you haven't heard of. We're trying to pick some of the more obscure things that aren't so mainstream, so maybe you pick something up out of this. As always, if you haven't already, like, follow us, share it. Uh, we really appreciate the feedback, and with that being said, we'll get into our first one.
1: Okay, so... Uh, I have a feeling that you're pretty excited about this, but, um, (laughs) which gets me excited about it. Uh, I'm, I'm a definitely more of an empirical guy. So I really nailed and did some research on these scientific theories. So the first one that I feel like would be really interesting to get into, and, uh, maybe I have a hard time wrapping my head around it is it's called the bullet time theory. And so this bullet time theory, what it states is that, um, as scientists say the universe is expanding and so the things that we can see are basically going further away from us Um, and this theory on the contrary says that the universe isn't expanding it's just time slowing down so uh, if you kind of get your head wrapped around it let me give you like an anecdotal thing so instead of things traveling further away the things that we can see are slowing
0: down so are we reaching a so where does bullet time come in are we speeding up so things are slowing down or just time itself is slowing down so
1: if you think about it i mean it's not like we can see the whole universe mhm anyway regardless if it, if it was expanding past our view or if it wasn't or if it was contracting. Would we start seeing new things every light year, like mm-hmm. a thing that was a light year away from our vision, next year we'll be able to see. But in this theory it's saying that nothing's really expanding. It's just that the the time frame, the time space continuum of what we can see is slowing down. For instance, saying like okay, so let's say that there was a you were sitting in a chair and uh, let's say you turn on the light, and the light is slowly like going over everything okay. in this room. And so, at first, you can only see something five feet away from you, and then you see something that's six feet away from you, and it's a toy car. And this toy car is traveling away from you. Mm-hmm. And so, eventually, uh, depending on how far you can see and how far the or fast the toy car travels. You'll eventually not be able to see it. Instead mm-hmm. of that being the case, um, this bullet time theory is stating that that toy car really isn't going anywhere. It's just that, like that light, it's getting slower and slower traveling. So,
0: so is that? So my what I'm thinking is the we have observed so much that we've hit a limit. Not necessarily a limit, but we observed so much that light itself is where we're looking at it's taking time to get there. So like your example, the light turning on, like you see your room and it's slowly going over everything and that toy car is way out there. So we observe that and now we're at a point where we're seeing um, necessarily like kind of a, where it takes light to get to a little bit longer.
1: Well, I mean, that's always been been the case and that's how we've like noticed different things in the universe as far as new galaxies or all that sort of things where, I mean, what you can see is the distance that what you can see at. And so, yes, now it's taking uh, time for light traveling either way um, to go through a whole bunch of like road, like a really long, windy road to get to our telescope, so to speak.
0: Okay. Okay. I like that one. That. That one is very broad, but like I feel if I kind of s- settle in and think about that one, and try, it's kind of interesting because it, it's saying necessarily that the world isn't expanding, but it's shrinking, staying the no, same. No, so
1: the universe isn't... uh it's, it's kind of giving a counterpoint to the universe is expanding at an exceeding rate. Mm-hmm. It's saying that time is slowing down at an exceeding rate because of dark matter. Ah. So basically... The more, so um, I'm kind of into physics and space. And so there's a, a principle saying that when something has more mass to it and more of a gravitational pull, that also is a gravitational pull for time. So that means that time slows down in certain places. So, for instance, a quick one would be um, in a black hole. There's something called an epicenter in a black hole. Basically, uh, I mean, some people can go back and forth on how it's created, but pretty much what a black hole is is an extraordinary like, gravitational pull. Mm-hmm. So much so that there's this thing called the epicenter or event horizon on a black hole, which means that if we were watching a black hole and we threw something in the black hole, we'd see it go into the black hole really, really fast. And then the second it gets close to the black hole, it'll slow down to the mm-hmm. point that we just see it sitting there at this event horizon point. And that event horizon point, uh, with that gravitational pull, it sucks up time, it sucks up up light. So what that means is nothing is escaping it, but at the same time, time is so slow that that light is taking a long time to come to us and then eventually disappear.
0: Disappear, yeah. All right, all right, I like it. I like where we're starting. So I'm going to stick in the universe or you know expansion not necessarily the observable universe but the many worlds theory something that you and i have talked about all the time many worlds theory basically states you wake up in the morning and you have a cup of coffee cup of coffee so in another world you wake up and you don't have a cup of coffee and this can kind of translate to Stories you heard of people getting out supposed to be getting on planes and they're late and that plane ends up crashing and they don't get on it. So basically this theory is for every decision you have, there's a split off in an alternate universe or multiverse that something else happens or you didn't do it, which relates to completely different results, which I think is just truly interesting because I think about it all the time. Like if I didn't go to this movie, and I went to study for two hours, would I have gotten a better grade on the test? I don't know. But in the same scenario, say I did go study, and then I actually got distracted and went and had pizza. You never know what could happen. And I think it's just one of those things that's fun to think about, to think about all the decisions you make in a day from waking up and putting on a certain pair of shoes or replying to someone a certain way, there's always an opposite that could happen.
1: All right, so let me challenge you in this thought process. What's the opposite of walking at five miles per hour?
0: So say you're going to jog at 10 miles an hour, not 10 at eight miles an hour.
1: Wouldn't you say that that's just in, that's just a degree of traveling at five miles per hour? So for instance, like let's say that I am walking at five miles per hour. A degree of walking at five miles per hour is me going in that same direction at two times my speed, which is 10 miles per hour. So is if, that really the opposite?
0: But what if... And so there's wa- you walking and you going on a jog, and you going on a jog at 10 miles an hour, it's cold outside, and you tear something.
1: I mean, but then you're getting to the point of, like... What I'm just asking is, like... So what is the direct opposite of some of these things? Like, is it all actions? So, for instance, like I said, those things that can't really have an opposite... Like, I mean, you did... You painted a good picture about either going to or, like, going getting coffee or studying or going to the movies and studying. Like, there's some, like, dichotomy and polarity between Mm -hmm. those things. But I'm just curious, like, if anyone asks the creators of this theory, what about the things that aren't really opposite of each other? Like, I mean, being awake and going to sleep, those are opposite. We can understand that. But, like, like, you know, varies of time or things.
0: I believe it's all on a, how it influences yourself. So whether it be walking or jogging, it's the influence it has on yourself. So maybe you plan on going on a walk, right? And you're walking at five miles an hour and you get back and you're not as tired. And then you go and jog at 10 miles an hour, you still get back probably the same route, but you're a little bit more tired. It takes you 10 extra minutes to get to watching the movie you wanted to watch or 10 extra minutes to study or whatever it may be. So it's still an influence on you and a different route is going to happen where unless saying everything stays the same, um, which is a small chance, but it's likely it could happen, but there's all, it's always going to influence something a little bit different.
1: Gotcha. Uh And doing research into this too. I mean, uh, when they say the, like you said, many worlds, I've also heard multi-universe. And so, I mean, I think that that would make sense in the fact that, but with those varying degrees, you split like an incremental amount and they say that there's enough, like in this theory, they say that there's an infinite amount of universes because mm-hmm. you gotta think about it. Uh, even though you're saying there's, you split off and make another universe, you gotta think about you split off and make many. So yeah. for instance, you don't just only get coffee, you add milk in it. And mm-hmm. in the universe, somebody doesn't get or gets coffee but doesn't add milk. So, I mean, for your actions, there's millions of ways to, you know, dissect it. And that's kind of what I try to to paint the picture of like, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, something can't like something can be
0: not opposite of something and still have that effect. Yeah. Uh, And it's just, I think one of those things that it's fun to think about. I don't know if you'll ever be able to prove it, but I slightly believe in it. And I think it's just fun to think about all the decisions you make in your life from, interviewing for this job, going on this trip, buying this item. And it's just fun to think about everything that you've done in your life that could have altered something. And it's just kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. And like, I, so I think the same way, and even on a broader scale, like as in like big momentous things, like for instance, like, let's say that Germany won world war two mm-hmm. or even Germany world one, world war one. I. I mean, there's different things that like, you know are extraordinarily momentous and uh, really changed the scope of who, how we see you know our regular life today
0: yeah yeah so like he touched on earlier in the kind of multiverse theory there's really an infinite amount of things that could have happened from you know before you were born to when you were born to 20 years after 40 years after the amount of choices you make in your lifetime is monumental and it's just fun to elaborate on
1: um, so, I mean, with that, I think that, um, one of my, I feel like I'm more centered around this one and it, I can digest it easier. It's called the heat death, uh, theory of the universe. So basically what it's saying is that, um, with every action, um, eventually, like, cause there's only an infinitesimal amount of, uh, or finite amount of, uh, just things in the universe Um, And so eventually all the energy in the universe, because energy flows in a way of like it wants it's in a point of high energy and it wants to get to a point of low energy, just like if you were to boil a pot of water, it's boiling and seething. But if you just leave it alone, that energy will dissipate and that water won't be boiling anymore. And so eventually what that is, is like, they call it the heat death of the universe. Eventually all the energy in the universe will be at an equal or level amount. And that would be the death of the universe.
0: Okay. And that, is that talking, um, specifically cause heat death, like heat means either super hot or super cold, right?
1: Heat as in. Talking, so I think it's, it's a way to paint the picture. Like mm-hmm. for instance, so much energy is lost through friction and heat. Mm-hmm. So even like you sitting here, um, you moving your arms, you, there's creating friction and there is heat. So okay. you're losing energy through
0: heat. Okay. Yeah. That's a, I think one of, that's one of those theories that falls under, um, I, I'm curious to see where that happens because it's gonna happen i would i would say so from what you said i would believe that eventually there's gonna be a peak to whatever heat is out there is gonna all levels are gonna rise to that level and and you know destroy the universe
1: well i wouldn't say it's destroy the universe it would just kind of like smother anything so for instance like if there was a like a uniform amount of heat to everything you wouldn't exist and i wouldn't exist because what we are like a bundle of uh, particles and atoms and things and that can be effectively created into heat or energy and so it's not that heat it's just that heat will be the the product of all the energy being at a uniform height of like i don't Whatever know what the scale it would be <laughs> yeah. but yeah so
0: i think uh that other thing i think about when you say that is people talk about are observable universes and potentially more for this theory to it, regardless of if you think there's one universe or more than we can see, all that heat is going to go to that level, which we don't know what that temperature is or what that is. But eventually all those universes would hit that same spot. Right. I mean, it could be billions of trillions of quadrillions of 10 years, but, um, it's kind of, Going back to is like when you're talking about black holes. There's a I can't think of it off the top of my head, but there's a theory that there's one black hole out there that is the reigning champion. That's ten and zero that is going around, and black holes eat black holes. So there's one that eats one, gets a little bit bigger. There's another one that same one eats another one, and then that guy's th- two and zero, three and zero, and then he could be taken out by one that's one for the past trillion years or whatever it may be, which is another scary thing to think about. Yeah. And I oh, would that actually, <laughs> that's
1: funny. Uh, we didn't talk about this transition, but if I can, that's a perfect transition to a theory that I was researching as well, that we could be living in a black hole. And, and the reason why is that we're not sure what happens once something is digested into a black hole. I mean, there's things that we can observe through a black hole. Like for instance, like uh, There's something that basically is the equivalent to a black hole burping, and it's when it like just like takes all of these planets, galaxies, and all of this stuff in, and it almost like like has like a regurgitation moment. And what it does is shoots out this insane amount of energy, and this energy is called a quasar. And so what these quasars do is they'll just go for like thousands of light years and millions of light years and just destroy whatever's in its path. Um, but I mean, that's something that we can observe from a black hole, but we don't know what happens when something fully gets into a black hole or if like grad- uh, gravity, like restabilizes and, um, things of that nature. But that, yeah. that was just the most <laughs> perfect transition <laughs> I think I've it's, ever uh,
0: saw. Yeah. Just equally terrifying that, um, We could be in a black hole and have no clue, or we could be looking at black holes and figure out, you know, the monstrosity of what they do, the damage. Like I like to picture black holes as, you know, the sixth grade bully walking around and, you know, he's wrecking his shop and the little middle school or the little fourth graders. And then comes in Chuck Norris, right? Chuck Norris handles this dude. And then something bigger and badder handles Chuck Norris. And that guy reigns the world for as long as it goes on. Or simply like we're sucked in this black hole and we have no clue. Like there's all those things and maybe there's a moment where we're like, you know, huh? I'm in a black hole. But we'll never be able to tell until, you know, someone somehow does mm-hmm. something. But I have no clue what that would be.
1: And I think that's like the part of the inevitability uh, of these theories and things like makes me feel comfortable because I mean when I don't have control of the situation then I can totally say well I'm just a I'm just an audience member of what's going on and so it kind of like I don't know if this is something that's very odd or peculiar but it makes me relax that okay I have no control over me being in a black hole or not so yeah you know, yeah it's kind of a it's kind breath. of an
0: odd way to think but it makes sense like mm-hmm. you, not a lot of people are I know. I mean, you're probably not thinking about it every day, but like when you come back to it, it's kind of a obscure thing to think about comfort in a black hole. No oh, and yeah. Well,
1: not even that. Just like whenever I'm like stressed out, I'll like uh, research something about space or something. And once I get like basically the thought process of you're really, really, really small and you're on the like you're existing for a very, very short amount of time relatively. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it's not that big of a deal. Whatever <laughs> happened, like yeah. I'm not going to exist in a yeah. blink of an eye yeah. relative to what's been going on. Yeah,
0: I think that that whole con- space is a whole concept that blows my mind. And talking about blowing people's minds, <laughs> this one is called MK Ultra. You guys have probably heard about it. It's in Stranger Things. Um, I kind of did some more research and found it on the Smithsonian. And basically, MK Ultra. Right from the 1950s to 1973, and it was a CIA mind control experiment. So they were using human test subjects and various chemical and biological materials to see how it changed people's behavior and potentially control minds and what it did to the human psyche. Um, and I think it's one of those things that you, 1950s to 1973, that's a 23 year gap that it was under wraps until someone noticed probably in the early seventies, late sixties that is just so bizarre to me that people were just being tested on to, you know, see if they could have their mind controlled or what that may be.
1: Yeah. And so first off when I, when you said NK ultra, I was like, okay. And I did some research about that, but not recently that was like, I had like this conspiracy kick where I was just kinda like looking at it every which way. But uh I think that arbitrates your the premise of it being a theory because it has been proved and mm-hmm. it, it was real and there's documentation about it. But yeah, it's super it's super odd and um it's almost uh unreal or you you naturally hear that and you say like if somebody says yeah the government was experimenting on human beings on how to control minds you'd say that's something that is spurious or plausible but false but i mean it's one of those things that paints a picture of now that actually happened that's pretty
0: yeah one of those kind of conspiracy or conspiracy theories that you talk about or joke about then you find out it's true is shocking and i'm pretty sure the test just led to severe nausea and vomiting and even a few deaths to what they're doing. I don't know how long some of the patients were in this project where it was held, but at some point, someone in the government of some power was took human test subjects and I want to mind control people, or I want to see what these effects were. We don't know if it was specifically for mind control, but considering that's what a lot of the research I did spoke on was very, very intriguing for the 1950s to 1973 time period.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, casualties in that would probably make sense because from my understanding, they were heavily induced with drugs and PCP and LSD and mind-altering uh, chemicals to kind of uh, mold their plastic minds into something that can be controlled.
0: No. Yeah. And there's no um, instances where... They say it was a success, but there's, you don't know, you know, the people that said it didn't work aren't all the people that were there or the people that may have passed away and the certain test time zone of 23 years, it could have worked for a short amount of time. We won't know. I doubt they would release something like that, but something kind of get the brain thinking about and think about, I mean, it's 2017, there's probably stuff that's going on that we aren't aware of like the people in the fifties and sixties weren't aware that this was going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like talking about how we discover things from the past that we didn't know at the time that they were happening. Um, this is some current event things and isn't a theory, but it's very interesting and, uh, is relative to this. Donald Trump, uh, tweeted that's our U S president tweeted that he will be releasing uh, some of the JFK assassination investigation documents. So, wow, well, I'll say that five times <laughs> JFK assassination investigation documents. But, uh, uh, so that will be very, very interesting. And I mean, there's going to be thousands of pages of things that somewhat aren't as salacious or like very, very like, oh my gosh, this is crazy in there. But there will also be, I'm sure, some very, very interesting things. And we'll paint the picture if it was just a one man job or if there was more people involved.
0: Yeah, and I think I mean we don't really we haven't touched on assassinations. I don't have anything on assassinations to really touch on. but it always is crazy to think about the amount of assassinations that occurred in a certain time frame to where, I mean, in my life, I haven't seen any US assassinations. Of kind of that scale, there's always obviously been terroristic threats or bombings, which are truly saddening. But there hasn't been any political assassinations that I'm aware of or righteous leader assassinations, which will make that document very intriguing to see what comes out of it or what people are saying at that time.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I wouldn't. Yeah, I think you're right in the fact that there hasn't been anything, at least that comes to mind currently right now, which I mean, I'm wrong all, all day long usually, but not that I can think of and comes to mind about, uh, anybody's particularly in the U S being assassinated now. I mean, in other places in the world, that's more of a common occurrence. Um, but yeah, in the U.S., I S I can't think of one, but in that even makes it more interesting to say, like, so this is what it was like to have like your leader, and command-in-chief, and kind of put yourself in the citizen's
0: shoes at that time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so, kind of skipping to a more bright and happy subject, I thought this would be fun to split in there. And this one is the Pixar theory. Um became kind of popular three years ago, and a guy named John Negroni figured out And laid out this long video and timeline that every movie from Pixar is in the same universe at a different time period. And that is why you see various Easter eggs in different Pixar movies, such as the Toy Story Rocket pizza truck, or maybe Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc., or Cars, or WALL-E, or Brave, or Up, or whatever it may be. Um, As different as they are, it is all along the same timeline with the first one being Brave, um, which is obviously the oldest one. And you'll see um, drawings in there of characters from Monsters, Inc. and various other Pixar movies. And then that goes on to um, Up is somewhere in the middle where if you've seen the movie, he puts on a a talking or speaking collar onto the dog so that the animals can talk. And then it progresses to, you know, uh, monsters Inc being the last one. It's a really interesting theory. And it's kind of fun. If you're a Pixar fan to understand that these Easter eggs have kind of linked up and it makes sense. I would check out the video. It's a lot. It's like 20 minutes long, but it really, from my childhood perspective, it was really cool to see how all of these linked together. And it's super detailed on how that worked.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that those theories are like always cool, especially when you have a childhood connection to them and I mean, absolutely plausible to have a universe that Pixar has fostered to incorporate everything in them. So, yeah, I mean, as far as theories go, that's the one that I could hop on board the quickest.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the one that kind of got me too is I would have figured Wally was the last one but I think Wally is somewhere before Monsters, Inc. So there's this world of trash and whatnot. And then I can't remember exactly in the video, but then that translates to Monsters, Inc. where the world is being cleaned up and these monsters are kind of quote-unquote running things and going into these doorways, which are alternate universes or a multiverse, right? You open the door and you're going into um, a child's room wherever it may be or a different time period if he sees from some of them. And that's kind of... Kind of wraps in what we talked about earlier, but um, very interesting to think on what Toy Story could mean to things, or you know, mm-hmm. cars, or what that may be.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or like trying to relate. So cars was going on when this story was going on. Yeah. It's like you know, you can get really in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I can go with another one. That's uh, I thought it was kind of funny. And obscure I'm not a believer in it but that Shakespeare was someone else what do you think about that
1: can you elaborate because I mean I could be someone else
0: so there is little biological proof that Shakespeare was around not a lot of outside documentation that he ever showed up or um, premiered in certain play or was at his certain playwrights or was in certain societies of culture back then and a lot of people Around that time, were kind of in that playwright theory, such as like Francis Bacon or Earl of Oxford. So they believe that Shakespeare was, I think, one of those kind of how authors do like pseudonym names or different names, where they didn't want to be known as that person and were writing under that name.
1: I mean, that's definitely a, a possibility, and it's happened before. Um, uh, he's escaping my name right now, but uh, I, I was talking to somebody about how. Uh, somebody who I, I don't want to like speak out of like context and like confuse people, but there was somebody who was a famous author who had a ghost name or a pseudonym that he used to write books. So that's a totally understandable. But I mean, as far as first blush, somebody as venerable as Shakespeare and well respected and as a household name pretty much. It's, it's hard for me to say, yeah, that person that I thought existed doesn't exist. And granted, like there's no photographs of him, mm-hmm. but I mean, there was no photographs of anyone back then or, you know,
0: sweet life paintings back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I just thought it was kind of interesting. I I'm, I've seen a few Shakespeare plays and obviously I had to read it in high school, but just one of those things that kind of gets your mind thinking if you do the research or not that there's little biological proof or that he wasn't in some other society or doing something at that time but i mean if you're addicted to the craft and he's just living in the basement of his mid-century colony home you know maybe that's what he was doing yeah true that so to
1: backtrack a little bit more on uh somewhat of the the pixar universe so uh i mean i feel like this is gonna just like yeah, give me utmost street cred with all my Star Wars geeks. I'm actually wearing Star Wars pants right now. Believe yes. they're not, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, this can be confirmed. <laughs> but uh, so there's a theory that um, in the Star Wars universe and uh, those those series uh, that Jar Jar Binks was the <laughs> ultimate Sith Lord, and you're laughing because I think you probably have heard of this, or maybe I've even mentioned it on a some weird sugar high rant of mine. <laughs> But uh, so, I mean, pretty much what it's saying is that um, if you can go back and rewatch him, there, when Jojo Binks goes back to his hometown with Qui Gon Jinn, um, he's extraordinarily feared, almost like he's like not just a village idiot, but is something more insidious, possibly. And so, um, first off, that sets off a bell. And even before they go into the water place, Jar Jar Bink is running and, you know, I mean, he's just synonymous with being clumsy. This guy jumps into the water from 20 feet high and does like a triple pirouette backspin, if that's even a movement, (laughs) and (laughs) then lands in the water. So, I mean, and there's also just like uh, certain things that um, if you really break down the scenes that he's in, um, that shows that he could have some sort of uh, ties to the Sith, or the, you know, the, the dark side of the force. And I mean, when, uh, the emperor was crowned to be basically like brought into power, um, Jar Jar Binks was there by his side. And I mean, there's just like instances of that happening that kind of alludes to this guy being not just the clumsy idiot that (laughs) he was at first blush. Yeah. I
0: I think we've spoke on it a few times and, more so about how the audience of Star Wars and the fans have such a love-hate relationship with Jar Jar Binks, where there's complete Reddit threads from people hating him to loving him to this one you're talking about, and I like to imagine that Jar Jar Binks is the baddest guy in the in the universe, and he's just hiding it, and that they would make a standalone Jar Jar Binks movie where he's just wreck and shop, but <laughs> absolutely but never. That's only a wish. Yeah, no.
1: I hope they wouldn't, because that would be slanderous. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely horrible. Uh, but, um, yeah, and I mean, I feel like that the kind of, that character that Jojo Binks plays has been played in multiple areas, and even, like, in back in books. Like, you know, you have your silly, almost sidekick like or role player, and even in Don Quixote, some would say Don Quixote being as whimsical as he was, uh, was that, in Sancho Panza was more of the logical, grounded one. But, I mean, there's so many times that we've seen his character played in different like contexts.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's crazy also to think that the growth of Star Wars over time, but people are still just, anytime you bring up George R. Binks, you're going to get a reaction if they've seen the series, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, if they follow and uh, can understand. I mean, there's yeah. some people that just kind of watch it and... So I'm, i feel like I have a real passion for Star Wars and I can get going if I wanted to talking (laughs) about the new installments and, and whatnot. So I'm going to keep that for another day, but yeah, I would definitely say so. If you watch Star Wars, you have something to say about Jar Jar Binks, regardless of, yeah, he's forgettable and it doesn't matter if he was in it or not, or he's actually a Sith Lord or he is an absolute like bungler of everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kind of talking on those character sides or um, a little bit more of the abstract or common, I'll bring this one in. When I say Sasquatch, what do you think of?
1: I think of shitty camera photos. (laughs) That's (laughs) what I think.
0: Very true. See, I like to, I don't know, I used to be a believer, but I just like to watch the TV shows of sassy, people trying to capture sassy. But on the same note, like, I have a my theory bringing in personal theories here is that Sasquatch was around at one point, and it wasn't a giant, hairy creature. I believe at one point when people were shunned from societies for certain disabilities um and put out in the woods that this guy was had a pituitary gland issue like Andre the Giant. <laughs> what, what is that face for? I,
1: uh, I am. I, I don't really. Can't find my words to describe yeah. what I'm thinking um, right
0: now. Basically, scrapping, putting together a Reddit thread, but that this guy was shunned from society for a pituitary gland issue, issue and no one could understand what was happening. So they thought that he was some sort of creature and not a human. And push them away from society at, you know, back then that the average height was a lot shorter than it is now. And that this guy was seven feet tall in the early stages of the Sasquatch theory. And they put him out in the woods and other societies weren't aware of him. And you see this dude walking by that's seven feet tall, seven foot two. You kind of get these big footprints and you're not sure what's really going on. And then over time that stretched into these kind of hoaxers or people that are trying to lead the conspiracy or the theory um, to what it is today.
1: So my theory is that I think that you shouldn't broadcast that theory. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm not going to
0: say I believe in my own theory, but (laughs) I like to think there's a plausible scenario (laughs) there unless it's just some weird kid's tale that popped up out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that uh, I, I'm i an empirical guy, so either I need to experience it or it needs to be done in an experiment for me to be like, okay, so there's some founding to that. And granted, some of those things can be like, like uh, fabricated and whatnot, but I haven't seen any empirical evidence that there's been an existence of Bigfoot. I mean, if you empirically believe that uh, the camera phone shots from, <laughs> from your Nokia, your first Nokia phone, or is enough yeah. to let, make you believe in Sasquatch, then like good for you, but yeah. I'll, I'll wait. I'll, yeah, I'll be waiting. I'll wait
0: on it too. Um, but that's our first installment right there of just kind of odd theories of things we've talked about we haven't talked about. It kind of gets the mind going. Uh, we really have fun about it in our free time. And there's some theories that we'll eventually talk on that we really either disagreed on at one point or really were on the same track on. Uh, We look to do this kind of recurrently. So just go ahead and leave some feedback about what you thought about the episode or maybe some theories you have thought of that we can look into as abstract as they are. Um, And we'll look into them and get back to them at a certain point. But thank you for listening. As always, you know, share, follow, like us and uh, that will do it thanks guys